you tonight in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a blessing to be on the line with each and every one of you. You guys are our family, and we love and appreciate each and every one of you. want to thank God for the incredible, dynamic, awesome teaching that was done throughout the month of October by Pastor Ellis. Uh, I thank God for the fact that he is a part of our teaching team and uh, he comes each month, each every other month with such an incredible revelation from the word of God. So I, I'm grateful for you, Pastor, and we thank God for you. But I thank God for each of you. Uh, we, we thank God for because of your faithfulness, family, for your love, family, for your prayers for us, family, and for your love and prayers for one another. You don't know what a difference you're making, but prayer changes things. And as Sister Marlon was praying and she began to pray for the world and sickness uh, and mental illness and all of that, listen, uh, if there is not a community of believers that is willing to come together and pray, we would be without hope. But despite all of the craziness that's going on in the world, because there are people who are praying, and we count you among them because God hears your prayers, and we have seen evidences of how he has responded to this prayer line. So we, we bless God for each of you tonight. And we just encourage you, keep on praying. Keep on looking under Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. So this evening, one, I, I greet you in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on behalf of the entire River of Life family. My name is Pastor Thomas Rich. And I have the privilege of preaching for the month of November. We started last month on a teaching entitled, Let's Explore the Psalms. We're, we're going to continue looking in the book of Psalms. And uh, my approach to teaching through the book of Psalms is not just reading the psalm and then uh, going verse by verse, but we're going to go deeper. We're, we're going to look at the background of the, the psalm that we're talking about. One of the things that you learn when you're um, in uh, seminary and in Bible college is that the words on the page can be uh, understood one way, but when you go behind the words and you discover who was speaking, why they were speaking, how it came together, what the season or the time was, uh, it often gives a different understanding of the scripture that you're reading. And tonight I'm going to uh, take a look at Psalm 1. Uh, when we began this study entitled, Let's Explore the Book of Psalms, I advised you that the book of Psalms is a collection of Israelite songs written for the Israelite people, and it, the, the, the intent of it was to be used both for personal and collective worship of God. 
And I also reminded you that there were many writers of the Psalms. Uh, David is probably the predominant one that we know of, but there are many writers of the Psalms. And so uh, we're going to go back just a little bit so that we can have some foundation as we look at Psalm 1. Won't you bow your heads as we say a word of prayer? Father, we give you glory tonight for this privileged opportunity to explore, to examine, to learn about Psalm 1. And God, as I go forth tonight, I ask you to be in charge. I, I submit everything about me unto you so that as we go through this teaching tonight, your people will be enlightened. Uh, there will be revelation for them. There will be encouragement and strength and direction that is found as we begin the study in Psalm 1. God, I thank you, and I depend upon you now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So, uh, previously, I told you that there were five books or five divisions to the book of Psalms. I think it would be appropriate just to refresh you on that tonight. Uh, book one is Psalm 1 through Psalm 41. And in those 41 Psalms, you will find an emphasis on how God is beside us. Every now and then, we find ourselves in a place where we just need to know that God is with us. And just knowing that you can find and know that when you read Psalm 1 through Psalm 41 ought to be an encouragement to you because you know you, you'll find yourself in that position from time to time. The second division of the book of Psalms is Psalms 42 through 72. And the attention there is how God goes before us. Anybody besides me ever needed God to go before you? Uh, if you're reading Psalm 42 to 72, you can see how God goes before you. In Psalm 73 through 89, it reminds us that God is all around us. That's the third division of the book of Psalms. The fourth division comprises chapter 90 through chapter 106. And it focuses upon how God is above us. And then the last division is Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. And the spotlight is on how the God is among us. Uh, we need to know that he's among us. As I was listening to the prayer of Sister Marlin and the things that she was praying about, I believe that we gathered here tonight because we believe that God is hearing our prayer, that he is right here with us right now. And so if you need to be encouraged that God is among us, you will discover that as you're reading Psalm 90 through Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. Um, I, I'm going to mention just a couple of other things before we look at Psalm 1. Again, I, I told you when we started in Psalm 90, which was the first Psalm that, 91 rather, 90, which was the first Psalm that we looked at, that there are considered at least six 
contributing authors in the Psalms. Uh, you had Solomon, who is credited with Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. Asap is credited with writing 12 Psalms. The sons of Korah are credited with writing 11 songs. So, and then also Psalm 88, which is attributed to uh, a brother by the name of Heman, who was an Ezraite. And then there was Psalm 89, also written by Ethan, another Ezraite, and then the Psalms of David. And so those are some of the contributors through the book of Psalms. When you are reading through the Psalms, uh, understanding the background can make those Psalms that much richer for you. So tonight, we're going to begin an examination of Psalm 1. But I want to mention to you that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are both recognized as the introduction to the entire 150 writings of the Psalms. You know, in, in, in most books that you read, there is an introduction. Uh, it kind of helps you to get a sense of the direction that that book is going to be going in. And as you're reading through the 150 Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2 are considered the introduction to the entirety of the 150 Psalms. And both Psalm 1 and 2 delve into the themes that are featured throughout all of the 150, such as the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, God's blessings for the obedient, and his ordination for the Israelite kings. All of that uh, you find as you're reading in the Psalms, in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 kind of lays a foundation to help us to appreciate that. As we look directly at Psalm 1, the first thing that I want you to know uh, before we start going verse by verse, uh, the overview of the Psalm will help you to understand that there is a contrast in Psalm 1, between the righteous and the wicked. And the intention of that contrast is to stimulate the people to be the kind of individuals that the psalmist calls blessed. One of the things that you will remember when you read Psalm 1, it starts out by saying blessed, and, and, and it, it talks about uh who is blessed, and it talks about what it takes to be blessed. And, and so, but it also talks about the wicked. And so the spiritual intent of the Psalms were to provoke the people to live according to the law of God, which was found in the book that is called the Torah. Uh, the Torah in Hebrew can mean teaching, direction, guidance, and law. Uh, the Torah is commonly to you and me. Uh, in our Bible, it is the first five books of the Bible. And the most prominent meaning for Jews, and the, the Torah was the, the book of the law to the Jews, and the co most common or prominent meaning 
for the Jews is that the Torah constitutes, as I said, the first five books. We also call those books the Pentateuch, which means five books in the Greek. And it is generally considered to have each one to have been composed or written by the brother Moses. Now, as I was doing some studying, uh, there's a, a Jewish scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann who said in his book that's entitled The Message of the Psalms, he said this about the Torah. He said the Torah is understood not simply as an Israelite moral value, but the Torah was represented as God's will and purpose ordained in the very structure of life. And he continued by saying that the Torah is Israel's way to respond and to fully honor God's well-oriented world. In other words, when God created all of this world and then he put us in it, there was a design that he had. There was an intention that he had. God had a, a, a manner in which he wanted us to live. And if we followed that, uh, the instruction that was laid out in the Torah, we would live in peace. We would live in harmony, not just among ourselves, but, but importantly, we would live in peace and in harmony with God because we would be living according to his prescription at, for how we can get along and be blessed by God. The, the, the good news is that if we're living in a manner that enables God to bless us, it requires automatically that we live with one another in a similar manner. For if we're not able to live with one another, most definitely God is not going to be pleased. And so the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was intended for us to be able to live in God's well-oriented or well-designed, uh, God-designed, God's purpose and motivation for us as human beings living in harmony both with him, but as a result of living in harmony with him, that means that we go out of our way to find how to live in harmony with one another. So that's sort of a background uh, to the Psalms and as we get ready to look at Psalm 1 tonight. As we read through Psalm 1, we see that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing. And, and so I, I want you to kind of keep that in mind because that's one of the critical parts of Psalm 1. It, it's, uh, it says, blessed is the man. In fact, let me just uh, read Psalm 1. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Division tonight. And the Amplified says, blessed, and then parenthetically, it defines blessed. It says that blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. So let's read it again. 
Blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. And when he talks about the ungodly, according to the Amplified, he defines the ungodly, meaning following the advice of the ungodly, following the plans of the ungodly, and living the purposes of the ungodly. And then he continues, he says, nor stands. And when he says stand, what he's saying is that we're not submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk nor sits down, and by sit down he means to relax and rest where the scornful and the markers are gathered. So if I read that verse without breaking down those uh, definitions for you, it says, blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down where the scornful gather. Then verse 2 reads, But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, and by on his law it means the precepts, instructions, and teachings of God. That's his law. And on his law he habitually meditates. I'm... I'm emphasizing the word habitually that the Amplified puts there because uh, many times we can sit down and we can talk about the Bible. And many people will tell you, I read the Bible, but are we habitual with it? I don't know about you. I, I have been habitual in some other things in my life and they were not healthy or good. Uh, I believe all of us could probably confess to that. But he's saying that uh, there is something that we can habitually do that will bless our lives. Remember the ver- the, the, the uh, chapter one starts with blessed. And so he's saying that he habitually meditates. Meditate means ponder and study by day and by night. So again, verse two. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and his law uh, he habitually meditates by day and by night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Then it says its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything it does shall prosper. And and when it talks about prospering there, it means that it will come to maturity. We'll talk about that in more detail. Verse 4, not so with the wicked, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The wicked, who are the wicked? Those are the disobedient. Those are the ones living without God. And and he's saying that they don't get the same benefit that the man and woman of God who are living and, and, and who are staying away from those things that God has already said in verses one through three that we need to be careful about, but that we are habitually 
meditating upon his word. The disobedient don't do that. Uh, and the, it says that they are like the chaff. And by chaff, he means it is worthless, dead and without substance. And the chaff, which the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor, I'm sorry, therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, he's saying that the wicked uh, or the disobedient uh, will not be justified. There will be judgment, but when they meet judgment, they will not be justified. You and I as believers have grace. We have mercy. We have salvation. We will be justified because we have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. He says that those sinners in the congregation of the righteous, in other words, those who are upright and in right standing with God, the wicked is not going to be able to stand among the righteous. The final verse, for the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, that is those living outside of God's will, shall perish. And by perish, he means an end in ruin and come to naught. So as we read through Psalm 1, what we see is that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing, while the wicked would end in destruction. Now, I'm going to uh, introduce something that uh, you have to go into the background of Psalm 1 to appreciate. In Psalm 1, there are two words that develop the idea of blessing. The first one is called Salah, and it is spelled S-A-L-A-H, Salah, and it represents prosperity. That was uh, mentioned in verse 3 when it talked about how uh, the enemy will not prosper, but you will as a believer. And the word for prosperity there is Salah. Uh, and when we listen to verse 3, uh, it uses the idea of prospering. Uh, in the Amplified, again, it says, And he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. It says, Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper. The word there, Salah, means prosper, or it is also the idea of blessing. So we could also replace that word prosper with the word Salah for blessing, for he is promising a blessing to you who do not stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Um, another example of that, if we were to read in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, we'll see that same idea presented. Uh, again, from the Amplified, it says, 
Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Then verse 8 says, For he shall be like a tree. Y'all heard that somewhere before, right? For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when he comes. I'm telling you something there. But its leaf shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Why is that? That's because of that word called Salah, that, that tree that's planted by the river of water, planted by the Lord himself, uh, where the Lord is, as we talked about earlier, meditating on him, moving in close next to him. Uh, as we do that, uh, even when drought comes, prosperity is still available to us. And so in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, we see the same idea of blessing or salah, which meaning that uh, despite the adversity, despite the drought, it said that the leaf will still be green. It said that he will not fear the heat when it comes because he is planted by the waters and his roots are spread out toward the river where nourishment comes. Even if no rain is falling, there is nourishment available so that it is it continues to be able to yield fruit. So these two verses are telling us, family, that the person who trusts in and relies on the Lord will have no reason to be anxious for anything because he is planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, which enables it to prosper. And because it is planted by the rivers, not only will it prosper, but it shall not see and fear when the heat or when the adversity comes, but its leaf shall be green. And that green leaf represents prosperity or salah. Amen. Amen. I just realized I've gone over my time, so I'm going to cut it off right there. But I do want to encourage you uh, over the next week, go back and read Psalm 1. Uh, we're going to go into much more detail about that psalm. There's so much beyond what we read on the page with each verse. But let's close tonight by simply saying blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the person who walks and lives in the council lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, but stands in the path uh, where, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits where the scornful gather. But your delight, my delight, our delight and desire is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, we habitually meditate both day and night. That's a word right there, y'all. 
And I'm going to close right there. I, I want to encourage you to stay in the word. Uh, Psalm 1 has six verses, but there's a lot that we can go through as we study Psalm 1. I hope tonight, as I close, that uh, I've given you something that you never considered in Psalm 1, because there is yet so much more that we can learn and, and glean as we read through that psalm. You may take your phones off of mute, and let's talk about Psalm 1 you tonight in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a blessing to be on the line with each and every one of you. You guys are our family, and we love and appreciate each and every one of you. want to thank God for the incredible, dynamic, awesome teaching that was done throughout the month of October by Pastor Ellis. Uh, I thank God for the fact that he is a part of our teaching team and uh, he comes each month, each every other month with such an incredible revelation from the word of God. So I, I'm grateful for you, Pastor, and we thank God for you. But I thank God for each of you. Uh, we, we thank God for because of your faithfulness, family, for your love, family, for your prayers for us, family, and for your love and prayers for one another. You don't know what a difference you're making, but prayer changes things. And as Sister Marlon was praying and she began to pray for the world and sickness uh, and mental illness and all of that, listen, uh, if there is not a community of believers that is willing to come together and pray, we would be without hope. But despite all of the craziness that's going on in the world, because there are people who are praying, and we count you among them because God hears your prayers, and we have seen evidences of how he has responded to this prayer line. So we, we bless God for each of you tonight. And we just encourage you, keep on praying. Keep on looking under Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. So this evening, on, uh, I greet you in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on behalf of the entire River of Life family. My name is Pastor Thomas Rich. And I have the privilege of preaching for the month of November. We started last month on a teaching entitled, Let's Explore the Psalms. We're, we're going to continue looking in the book of Psalms. And uh, my approach to teaching through the book of Psalms is not just reading the psalm and then uh, going verse by verse, but we're going to go deeper. We're, we're going to look at the background of the, the psalm that we're talking about. One of the things that you learn when you're um, in uh, seminary and in Bible college is that the words on the page can be uh, understood one way, but when you go behind the words and you discover who was speaking, why they were speaking, how it came together, what the season or the time was. 
uh, it often gives a different understanding of the scripture that you're reading. And tonight I'm going to uh, take a look at Psalm 1. Uh, when we began this study entitled, Let's Explore the Book of Psalms, I advised you that the book of Psalms is a collection of Israelite songs written for the Israelite people. And it, the, the, the intent of it was to be used both for personal and collective worship of God. And I also reminded you that there were many writers of the Psalms. Uh, David is probably the predominant one that we know of, but there are many writers of the Psalms. And so uh, we're going to go back just a little bit so that we can have some foundation as we look at Psalm 1. Won't you bow your heads as we say a word of prayer? Father, we give you glory tonight for this privileged opportunity to explore, to examine, to learn about Psalm 1. And God, as I go forth tonight, I ask you to be in charge. I, I submit everything about me unto you so that as we go through this teaching tonight, your people will be enlightened. Uh, there will be revelation for them. There will be encouragement and strength and direction that is found as we begin the study in Psalm 1. God, I thank you, and I depend upon you now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So, uh, previously, I told you that there were five books or five divisions to the book of Psalms. I think it would be appropriate just to refresh you on that tonight. Uh, book one is Psalm 1 through Psalm 41, and in those 41 Psalms, you will find an emphasis on how God is beside us. Every now and then, we find ourselves in a place where we just need to know that God is with us, and just knowing that you can find and know that when you read Psalm 1 through Psalm 41 ought to be an encouragement to you because you know you, you'll find yourself in that position from time to time. The second division of the book of Psalms is Psalms 42 through 72. And the attention there is how God goes before us. Anybody besides me ever needed God to go before you? Uh, if you're reading Psalm 42 to 72, you can see how God goes before you. In Psalm 73 through 89, it reminds us that God is all around us. That's the third division of the book of Psalms. The fourth division comprises chapter 90 through chapter 106. And it focuses upon how God is above us. And then the last division is Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. And the spotlight is on how the God is among us. Uh, we need to know that he's among us. As I was listening to the prayer of Sister Marlin and the things that she was praying about, I, I believe that we gathered here tonight because we believe that God is hearing our prayer, that he is right here with us right now. 
And so if you need to be encouraged that God is among us, you will discover that as you're reading Psalm 90 through Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. Um, I'm going to mention just a couple of other things before we look at Psalm 1. Again, I, I told you when we started in Psalm 90, which was the first Psalm that, 91 rather, 90, which was the first Psalm that we looked at, that there are considered at least six contributing authors in the Psalms. Uh, you had Solomon, who is credited with Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. Asap is credited with writing 12 Psalms. The sons of Korah are credited with writing 11 songs. So, and then also Psalm 88, which is attributed to uh, a brother by the name of Heman, who was an Ezraite. And then there was Psalm 89, also written by Ethan, another Ezraite, and then the Psalms of David. And so those are some of the contributors through the book of Psalms. When you are reading through the Psalms, uh, understanding the background can make those Psalms that much richer for you. So tonight, we're going to begin an examination of Psalm 1. But I want to mention to you that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are both recognized as the introduction to the entire 150 writings of the Psalms. You know, in, in, in most books that you read, there is an introduction uh, it kind of helps you to get a sense of the direction that that book is going to be going in. And as you're reading through the 150 Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2 are considered the introduction to the entirety of the 150 Psalms. And both Psalm 1 and 2 delve into the themes that are featured throughout all of the 150 such as the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, God's blessings for the obedient, and his ordination for the Israelite kings. All of that uh, you find as you're reading in the Psalms. And Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 kind of lays a foundation to help us to appreciate that. As we look directly at Psalm 1, the first thing that I want you to know uh, before we start going verse by verse, uh, the overview of the psalm will help you to understand that there is a contrast in Psalm 1 between the righteous and the wicked. And the intention of that contrast is to stimulate the people to be the kind of individuals that the psalmist calls blessed. One of the things that you will remember when you read Psalm 1, it starts out by saying blessed, and, and, and it, it talks about uh, who is blessed, and it talks about what it takes to be blessed. And, and so, but it also talks about the wicked. And so the spiritual intent of the Psalms were to provoke the people 
to live according to the law of God, which was found in the book that is called the Torah. Uh, the Torah in Hebrew can mean teaching, direction, guidance, and law. Uh, the Torah is commonly to you and me. Uh, in our Bible, it is the first five books of the Bible. And the most prominent meaning for Jews, and the, the Torah was the, the book of the law to the Jews, and the co most common or prominent meaning for the Jews is that the Torah constitutes, as I said, the first five books. We also call those books the Pentateuch, which means five books in the Greek. And it is generally considered to have, each one to have been composed or written by the brother Moses. Now, as I was doing some studying, uh, there's a, a, a Jewish scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann who said in his book that's entitled The Message of the Psalms, he said this about the Torah. He said the Torah is understood not simply as an Israelite moral value, but the Torah was represented as God's will and purpose ordained in the very structure of life. And he continued by saying that the Torah is Israel's way to respond and to fully honor God's well-oriented world. In other words, when God created all of this world and then he put us in it, there was a design that he had. There was an intention that he had. God had a, a, a manner in which he wanted us to live. And if we followed that, uh, the instruction that was laid out in the Torah, we would live in peace. We would live in harmony, not just among ourselves, but, but importantly, we would live in peace and in harmony with God because we would be living according to his prescription at, for how we can get along and be blessed by God. The, the, the good news is that if we're living in a manner that enables God to bless us, it requires automatically that we live with one another in a similar manner. For if we're not able to live with one another, most definitely God is not going to be pleased. And so the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was intended for us to be able to live in God's well-oriented or well-designed, uh, God-designed, God's purpose and motivation for us as human beings living in harmony both with him, but as a result of living in harmony with him, that means that we go out of our way to find how to live in harmony with one another. So that's sort of a background uh, to the Psalms and as we get ready to look at Psalm 1 tonight. As we read through Psalm 1, we see that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing. 
And, and, and so I, I want you to kind of keep that in mind because that's one of the critical parts of Psalm 1. It, it's, uh, it says, blessed is the man. In fact, let me just uh, read Psalm 1. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Division tonight. And the Amplified says, blessed. And then parenthetically, it defines blessed. It says that blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. So let's read it again. Blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. And when he talks about the ungodly, according to the Amplified, he defines the ungodly, meaning following the advice of the ungodly, following the plans of the ungodly, and living the purposes of the ungodly. And then he continues, he says, nor stands. And when he says stand, what he's saying is that we're not submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down. And by sit down, he means to relax and rest where the scornful and the markers are gathered. So if I read that verse without breaking down those uh, definitions for you, it says, blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down where the scornful gather. Then verse two reads, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law and by on his law it means the precepts instructions and teachings of God that's his law and on his law he habitually meditates I, I, I'm, I'm emphasizing the word habitually that the Amplified puts there because uh, many times we can sit down and we can talk about the Bible. And many people will tell you, I read the Bible, but are we habitual with it? I don't know about you. I I have been habitual in some other things in my life, and they were not healthy or good. Uh, I believe all of us could probably confess to that. But he's saying that uh, there is something that we can habitually do that will bless our lives. Remember the ver the the, the uh, chapter one starts with blessed. And so he's saying that he habitually meditates. Meditate means ponder and study by day and by night. So again, verse two, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and his law, uh, he habitually meditates by day and by night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Then it says its leaf also shall not fade or wither and everything it does shall prosper. And, and when it talks about prospering there, it means that it will come to maturity. 
We'll talk about that in more detail. Verse 4, not so with the wicked, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. The wicked, who are the wicked? Those are the disobedient. Those are the ones living without God. And, and, and he's saying that they don't get the same benefit that the man and woman of God who are living and, and, and who are staying away from those things that God has already said in verses 1 through 3 that we need to be careful about, but that we are habitually meditating upon his word. The disobedient don't do that. Uh, and it says that they are like the chaff, and by chaff he means it is worthless, dead and without substance. And the chaff which the wind drives away. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor, I'm sorry, therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, he's saying that the wicked uh, or the disobedient uh, will not be justified. There will be judgment, but when they meet judgment, they will not be justified. You and I as believers have grace. We have mercy. We have salvation. We will be justified because we have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. He says that those sinners in the congregation of the righteous, in other words, those who are upright and in right standing with God, the wicked is not going to be able to stand among the righteous. The final verse, for the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, that is those living outside of God's will, shall perish. And by perish, he means end in ruin and come to naught. So as we read through Psalm 1, what we see is that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing, while the wicked would end in destruction. Now, I'm going to uh, introduce something that uh, you have to go into the background of Psalm 1 to appreciate. In Psalm 1, there are two words that develop the idea of blessing. The first one is called Salah, and it is spelled S-A-L-A-H, Salah, and it represents prosperity. That was uh, mentioned in verse 3 when it talked about how uh, the enemy will not prosper, but you will as a believer. And the word for prosperity there is salah. Uh, and when we listen to verse 3, uh, it uses the idea of prospering. Uh, in the Amplified, again, it says, And he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. It says, Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and Everything he does shall prosper. 
The word there, Salah, means prosper, or it is also the idea of blessing. So we could also replace that word prosper with the word Salah for blessing, for he is promising a blessing to you who do not stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Um, another example of that, if we were to read in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, we'll see that same idea presented. Uh, again, from the Amplified, it says, Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Then verse 8 says, for he shall be like a tree. Y'all heard that somewhere before, right? For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when he comes. I'm telling you something there. But its leaf shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Well, why, why is that? That's because of that word called salah, that, that tree that's planted by the river of water, planted by the Lord himself, uh, where the Lord is, as we talked about earlier, meditating on him, moving in close next to him. Uh, as we do that, uh, even when drought comes, prosperity is still available to us. And so in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, we see the same idea of blessing or salah, which meaning that uh, despite the adversity, despite the drought, it said that the leaf will still be green. It said that he will not fear the heat when it comes because he is planted by the waters and his roots are spread out toward the river where nourishment comes. Even if no rain is falling, there is nourishment available so that it is it continues to be able to yield fruit. So these two verses are telling us, family, that the person who trusts in and relies on the Lord will have no reason to be anxious for anything because he is planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, which enables it to prosper. And because it is planted by the rivers, not only will it prosper, but it shall not see and fear when the heat or when the adversity comes but its leaf shall be green, and that green leaf represents prosperity or salah. Amen, amen. I just realized I've gone over my time, so I'm going to cut it off right there. But I do want to encourage you uh, over the next week, go back and read Psalm 1. Uh, we're going to go into much more detail about that psalm. There's so much beyond what we read on the page with each verse. But let's close tonight by simply saying blessed, happy, fortunate, 
prosperous and enviable is the person who walks and lives in the counsel, lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, but stands in the path uh, where, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits where the scornful gather. But your delight, my delight, our delight and desire is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, we habitually meditate both day and night. That's a word right there, y'all. And I'm going to close right there. I, I want to encourage you to stay in the word. Uh, Psalm 1 has six verses, but there's a lot that we can go through as we study Psalm 1. I hope tonight, as I close, that uh, I've given you something that you never considered in Psalm 1, because there is yet so much more that we can learn and, and glean as we read through that psalm. You may take your phones off of mute, and let's talk about Psalm 1. You tonight, in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is a blessing to be on the line with each and every one of you. You guys are our family, and we love and appreciate each and every one of you. Want to thank God for the incredible, dynamic, awesome teaching that was done throughout the month of October by Pastor Ellis. Uh, I thank God for the fact that he is a part of our teaching team and uh, he comes each month, each every other month with such an incredible revelation from the word of God. So I'm grateful for you, Pastor, and we thank God for you. But I thank God for each of you. Uh, we, we thank God for because of your faithfulness, family, for your love, family, for your prayers for us, family, and for your love and prayers for one another. You don't know what a difference you're making, but prayer changes things. And as Sister Marlon was praying and she began to pray for the world and sickness uh, and mental illness and all of that. Listen, uh, if there is not a community of believers that is willing to come together and pray, we would be without hope. But despite all of the craziness that's going on in the world, because there are people who are praying, and we count you among them because God hears your prayers. And we have seen evidences of how he has responded to this prayer line. So we, we bless God for each of you tonight. And we just encourage you, keep on praying. Keep on looking under Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. So this evening on... I greet you in the name and in the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on behalf of the entire River of Life family. My name is Pastor Thomas Rich, and I have the privilege of preaching for the month of November. We started last month on a teaching entitled, Let's Explore the Psalms. We're, we're going to continue looking in the book of Psalms and uh, my 
approach to teaching through the book of Psalms is not just reading the psalm and then uh, going verse by verse, but we're going to go deeper. We're, we're going to look at the background of the, the psalm that we're talking about. One of the things that you learn when you're um, in uh, seminary and in Bible college is that the words on the page can be uh, understood one way, but when you go behind the words and you discover who was speaking, why they were speaking, how it came together, what the season or the time was, uh, it often gives a different understanding of the scripture that you're reading. And tonight I'm going to uh, take a look at Psalm 1. Uh, when we began this study entitled, Let's Explore the Book of Psalms, I advised you that the Book of Psalms is a collection of Israelite songs written for the Israelite people. And it, the, the, the intent of it was to be used both for personal and collective worship of God. And I also reminded you that there were many writers of the Psalms. Uh, David is probably the predominant one that we know of, but there are many writers of the Psalms. And so uh, we're going to go back just a little bit so that we can have some foundation as we look at Psalm 1. Won't you bow your heads as we say a word of prayer? Father, we give you glory tonight for this privileged opportunity to explore, to examine, to learn about Psalm 1. And God, as I go forth tonight, I ask you to be in charge. I, I submit everything about me unto you so that as we go through this teaching tonight, your people will be enlightened. Uh, there will be revelation for them there will be encouragement and strength and direction that is found as we begin the study in Psalm 1. God, I thank you, and I depend upon you now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So, uh, previously, I told you that there were five books or five divisions to the book of Psalms. I think it would be appropriate just to refresh you on that tonight. Uh, book one is Psalm 1 through Psalm 41. And in those 41 Psalms, you will find an emphasis on how God is beside us. Every now and then, we find ourselves in a place where we just need to know that God is with us. And just knowing that you can find and know that when you read Psalm 1 through Psalm 41 ought to be an encouragement to you because you know you, you'll find yourself in that position from time to time. The second division of the book of Psalms is Psalms 42 through 72. And the attention there is how God goes before us. Anybody besides me ever needed God to go before you? Uh, if you're reading Psalm 42 to 72, you can see how God goes before you. In Psalm 73 through 89, it reminds us that God is all around us. That's the third division of the book of Psalms. The fourth division comprises chapter 90 through 
chapter 106, and it focuses upon how God is above us. And then the last division is Psalm 107 through Psalm 150, and the spotlight is on how the God is among us. Uh, we need to know that he's among us. As I was listening to the prayer of Sister Marlin and the things that she was praying about, I, I believe that we gathered here tonight because we believe that God is hearing our prayer, that he is right here with us right now. And so if you need to be encouraged that God is among us, you will discover that as you're reading Psalm 90 through Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. Um, I, I'm going to mention just a couple of other things before we look at Psalm 1. Again, I, I told you when we started in Psalm 90, which was the first Psalm that, 91 rather, 90, which was the first Psalm that we looked at, that there are considered at least six contributing authors in the Psalms. Uh, you had Solomon, who is credited with Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. Asap is credited with writing 12 Psalms. The sons of Korah are credited with writing 11 songs. So, and then also Psalm 88 which is attributed to uh, a brother by the name of Heman, who was an Ezraite. And then there was Psalm 89, also written by Ethan, another Ezraite, and then the Psalms of David. And so those are some of the contributors through the book of Psalms. When you are reading through the Psalms, uh, understanding the background can make those Psalms that much richer for you. So tonight, we're going to begin an examination of Psalm 1. But I want to mention to you that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are both recognized as the introduction to the entire 150 writings of the Psalms. You know, in, in, in most books that you read, there is an introduction uh, it kind of helps you to get a sense of the direction that that book is going to be going in. And as you're reading through the 150 Psalms, Psalm 1 and 2 are considered the introduction to the entirety of the 150 Psalms. And both Psalm 1 and 2 delve into the themes that are featured throughout all of the 150 such as the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, God's blessings for the obedient, and his ordination for the Israelite kings. All of that uh, you find as you're reading in the Psalms. And Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 kind of lays a foundation to help us to appreciate that. As we look directly at Psalm 1, the first thing that I want you to know uh, before we start going verse by verse, uh, the overview of the psalm will help you to understand that there is a contrast in Psalm 1 between the righteous and the wicked. And the intention of that 
contrast is to stimulate the people to be the kind of individuals that the psalmist calls blessed. One of the things that you will remember when you read Psalm 1, it starts out by saying blessed, and, and, and it, it talks about uh, who is blessed, and it talks about what it takes to be blessed. And, and so, but it also talks about the wicked. And so the spiritual intent of the Psalms were to provoke the people to live according to the law of God, which was found in the book that is called the Torah. Uh, the Torah in Hebrew can mean teaching, direction, guidance, and law. Uh, the Torah is commonly to you and me. Uh, in our Bible, it is the first five books of the Bible. And the most prominent meaning for Jews, and the, the Torah was the, the book of the law to the Jews, and the co most common or prominent meaning for the Jews is that the Torah constitutes, as I said, the first five books. We also call those books the Pentateuch, which means five books in the Greek. And it is generally considered to have each one to have been composed or written by the brother Moses. Now, as I was doing some studying, uh, there's a, a Jewish scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann who said in his book that's entitled The Message of the Psalms, he said this about the Torah. He said the Torah is understood not simply as an Israelite moral value, but the Torah was represented as God's will and purpose ordained in the very structure of life. And he continued by saying that the Torah is Israel's way to respond and to fully honor God's well-oriented world. In other words, when God created all of this world and then he put us in it, there was a design that he had. There was an intention that he had. God had a, a, a manner in which he wanted us to live. And if we followed that, uh, the instruction that was laid out in the Torah, we would live in peace. We would live in harmony, not just among ourselves, but, but importantly, we would live in peace and in harmony with God because we would be living according to his prescription at, for how we can get along and be blessed by God. The, the, the good news is that if we're living in a manner that enables God to bless us, it requires automatically that we live with one another in a similar manner. For if we're not able to live with one another, most definitely God is not going to be pleased. And so the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was intended for us to be able to live in God's well-oriented or well-designed, uh, God-designed, God's purpose and motivation for us as 
human beings living in harmony both with him, but as a result of living in harmony with him, that means that we go out of our way to find how to live in harmony with one another. So that's sort of a background uh, to the Psalms and as we get ready to look at Psalm 1 tonight. As we read through Psalm 1, we see that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing. And, and, and so I, I want you to kind of keep that in mind because that's one of the critical parts of Psalm 1. It, it's, uh, it says, blessed is the man. In fact, let me just uh, read Psalm 1. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Division tonight. And the Amplified says, blessed. And then parenthetically, it defines blessed. It says that blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. So let's read it again. Blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. And when he talks about the ungodly, according to the Amplified, he defines the ungodly, meaning following the advice of the ungodly, following the plans of the ungodly, and living the purposes of the ungodly. And then he continues, he says, nor stands. And when he says stand, what he's saying is that we're not submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down. And by sit down, he means to relax and rest where the scornful and the markers are gathered. So if I read that verse without breaking down those uh, definitions for you, it says, blessed is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down where the scornful gather. Then verse two reads, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law and by on his law, it means the precepts, instructions, and teachings of God. That's his law. And on his law, he habitually meditates. I, I, I'm, I'm emphasizing the word habitually that the Amplified puts there because uh, many times we can sit down and we can talk about the Bible and many people will tell you, I read the Bible, but are we habitual with it? I don't know about you. I I have been habitual in some other things in my life, and they were not healthy or good. Uh, I believe all of us could probably confess to that. But he's saying that uh, there is something that we can habitually do that will bless our lives. Remember the verse, the, the, the uh, chapter one starts with blessed. And so he's saying that he habitually meditates. Meditate means ponder and study by day and by night. So again, verse two, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and his law uh, 
He habitually meditates by day and by night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Then it says its leaf also shall not fade or wither and everything it does shall prosper. And, and when it talks about prospering there, it means that it will come to maturity. We'll talk about that in more detail. Verse four, not so with the wicked, but they are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. The wicked, who are the wicked? Those are the disobedient. Those are the ones living without God. And, and, and he's saying that they don't get the same benefit that the man and woman of God who are living and, and, and who are staying away from those things that God has already said in verses one through three that we need to be careful about, but that we are habitually meditating upon his word. The disobedient don't do that. Uh, and the, it says that they are like the chaff, and by chaff he means it is worthless, dead and without substance, and the chaff which the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor, I'm sorry, therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, he's saying that the wicked uh, or the disobedient uh, will not be justified. There will be judgment, but when they meet judgment, they will not be justified. You and I as believers have grace. We have mercy. We have salvation. We will be justified because we have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. He says that those sinners in the congregation of the righteous, in other words, those who are upright and in right standing with God, the wicked is not going to be able to stand among the righteous. The final verse, for the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly, that is those living outside of God's will, shall perish. And by perish, he means an end in ruin and come to naught. So as we read through Psalm 1, what we see is that it tells us that Israel's obedience to the law would result in blessing, while the wicked would end in destruction. Now, I'm going to uh, introduce something that uh, you have to go into the background of Psalm 1 to appreciate. In Psalm 1, there are two words that develop the idea of blessing. The first one is called Salah, and it is spelled S-A-L-A-H, Salah, and it represents prosperity. That was... Uh, mentioned in verse 3 when it talked about how uh, the enemy will not prosper 
but you will as a believer. And the word for prosperity there is salah. Uh, and when we listen to verse three, uh, it uses the idea of prospering. Uh, in the Amplified, again, it says, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. It says its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper. The word there, salah, means prosper, or it is also the idea of blessing. So we could also replace that word prosper with the word salah for blessing, for he is promising a blessing to you who do not stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Um, another example of that, if we were to read in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, we'll see that same idea presented. Uh, again, from the Amplified, it says, Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Then verse 8 says, For he shall be like a tree. Y'all heard that somewhere before, right? For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when he comes. I'm telling you something there. But its leaf shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Well, why, why is that? That's because of that word called salah, that, that tree that's planted by the river of water, planted by the Lord himself, uh, where the Lord is, as we talked about earlier, meditating on him, moving in close next to him. Uh, as we do that, uh, even when drought comes, prosperity is still available to us. And so in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, we see the same idea of blessing or salah, which meaning that uh, despite the adversity, despite the drought, it said that the leaf will still be green. It said that he will not fear the heat when it comes because he is planted by the waters and his roots are spread out toward the river where nourishment comes. Even if no rain is falling, there is nourishment available so that it is it continues to be able to yield fruit. So these two verses are telling us, family, that the person who trusts in and relies on the Lord will have no reason to be anxious for anything because he is planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, which enables it to prosper. And because it is planted by the rivers, not only will it prosper, but it shall not see and fear when the heat or when the adversity comes, but its leaf shall be green 
and that green leaf represents prosperity or salah. Amen. Amen. I just realized I've gone over my time, so I'm going to cut it off right there. But I do want to encourage you uh, over the next week, go back and read Psalm 1. Uh, we're going to go into much more detail about that psalm. There's so much beyond what we read on the page with each verse. But let's close tonight by simply saying blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the person who walks and lives in the council, lives not in the council of the ungodly, but stands in the path uh, where, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sits where the scornful gather, but your delight, my delight, our delight and desire is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, we habitually meditate both day and night. That's a word right there, y'all. And I'm going to close right there. I, I want to encourage you to stay in the word. Uh, Psalm 1 has six verses, but there's a lot that we can go through as we study Psalm 1. I hope tonight, as I close, that uh, I've given you something that you never considered in Psalm 1, because there is yet so much more that we can learn and, and glean as we read through that Psalm. You may take your phones off of mute, and let's talk about Psalm 1. <laughs> 